Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. Hunter Biden's laptop. The FBI falsely labeled Hunter Biden information as you know what disinformation. Ms. Greiner was wrongfully detained. I pled guilty to my charges, but I had no intent to break any Russian law. Our criminal justice system is insane. Like in violent crime. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. It is News and Views for a political trivia Thursday. We'll play in a little bit. Your category, the Wild West. It will go quick. I uh, tested it on Benny, and he got it in about 30 seconds. So uh, it's going to go quick, just saying when we play. I'm not ready. I'm not your average guy when it comes to that topic, though. Wild West or yeah, wild trivia West. in general? Wild, wild West. Okay. Well, trivia in general. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm pretty much a know-it-all. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> At least that's what his wife says. Yeah, just ask her. She'll tell you. <laughs> so uh, Brittany Griner is uh, going to spend the next nine to ten years in jail over in Russia um, after pleading guilty to drug possession and drug smuggling of cannabis oil last month. Mercury uh, player, the Phoenix Mercury player, was handed a nine-year prison sentence by the Russian court, uh, fined the equivalent of $16,400 in Russian rubles in addition to the sentence. Now, what's interesting about this, I, again, I, you know, it w- was this, figuratively speaking, did the Russian government have a gun to her head and this confession was under duress? We don't know. Uh, wouldn't be surprised if it was, but maybe it wasn't. Uh, what's interesting, though, is over at CNN, Dana Bash claimed that the reason why she is in prison today is because of income disparity. <laughs> the fact that you have NBA players making $40 million a year and poor Brittany Griner only made $250,000 a year. And wh- wh- how, how could this be? Well, maybe you take a look at the uh, arenas in which these people play. <laughs> that might be a clue. Uh, when you have the NBA and you have the arenas full and you have people watching it on TV across the country and literally around the world and you have the WNBA and I, I don't know how large the crowds are, but my hunch is it's, not very it's, large. it's a fraction, a small fraction of what <clears> – <throat> But, I mean, this idea, and, and of course, you know, the, the liberals over in CNN, oh, yeah, it's terrible. Oh, that's exactly what the problem is. That's like Benny and I saying, hey, you know what? News and Views is a podcast. We ought to be making the same amount of money as Joe Rogan. I agree with that. <laughs> so, there you go. CNN, you're right on. We on agree s- with you. On second thought, I agree with that. <laughs> the uh, average household income is 63000 for, Across uh, for, the U.S. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. So, so she makes four uh, times, basically. Well, that's the a- average household income. Her individual income is mm. $250,000. Ah, yeah. So uh, average household is probably, in. I mean, a lot of cases, it's husband and wife both out there working, and uh, that's the number you get. Yeah, you know, and that argument's been brought up a number of times when it comes to women's sports, and particularly the uh, women's soccer league, you know, the – what is it? The uh, the the pink haired uh, country hating soccer player. I don't even know her name. Can't yeah, remember her name. You know, yeah. she she talked about that, and I, and and no one ever challenges her on it. So okay, if if you're gonna go there, what about every professional women's sport? Um, whether it's I don't know professional bike. I don't know what it is. Um, 
you guys make more than them, so should should everybody be making the same? I mean, it's well, the, the idea of this equity that everybody's got to be exactly the same is such a farce, yeah. <laughs> just a total farce. And if you were to follow that, which I mean, look, the bottom line is 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 that not pure communism? Don't they want it applied across the board to everybody? That's exactly what it is. Uh, to to each uh, um, according to the abilities, and to let's see, from each according to their abilities, to each according to their needs. Karl Marx. Yeah, and we we have numerous examples of how that just leads to total failure, absolute total failure. Did want to get to the story out of the News and Observer. The North Carolina Court of Appeals ruled yesterday the Governor Roy Cooper's Secretary of Health and Human Services should not be immune from a lawsuit over the administration's restrictions on large gatherings in the early months of the coronavirus pandemic. This is big. This is, I mean, yep. this is big, Andy. This is really big. The Department of Health and Human Services temporarily shut down the ACE Speedway. I remember we were talking about this when it happened. A small stock car racetrack in Alamance County in June of 2020 after it repeatedly defied Cooper's executive orders limiting outdoor crowds to mitigate the spread of COVID-19. The racetrack filed counterclaims alleging the department unlawfully singled out the business for its acts of protest and violated its employees' constitutional right to earn a living. The appeals court unanimously upheld a January 2021 trial court ruling denying the Department of Health and Human Services motion to dismiss Ace Speedway's claims that the agency selectively enforced the governor's orders and impeded the racetrack's ability to make money. Quote, this case makes us consider the use of overwhelming power by the state against the individual liberties of its citizens and how they use uh, and how the use of power may be challenged, the judges wrote. Boy, this is so important that we get a Republican Supreme Court at the North Carolina Supreme Court before this case gets up there. DHHS Secretary Cody Kinsley, whose predecessor, a.k.a. Mandy Cohen, filed the 2020 order to close the speedway, argued before the appeals court that ex, uh, executive officials should be immune from civil lawsuits, but the court ruled ACE's claims were sufficient to survive the secretary's motion to dismiss the lawsuit. Now, I really couldn't tell from this article whether or not Mandy Cohen is going to be held personally responsible. I hope she is, but I sort of doubt that she will be. It'll probably be the office, mm-hmm. which in other words, if they win this lawsuit, and there's a payout on it. Guess who gets to pay the bill? The taxpayers. Yep, taxpayers. Yeah. Three days after Cooper or issued an executive order placing a 25-person cap on all outdoor gatherings, Ace Speedway hosted approximately 2,500 spectators for its first race of the season on May 23, 2020. A sign posted at the site at a subsequent race that June labeled the 2,000-person gathering, quote, I remember this when it happened. A peaceful protest of injustice <laughs> and inequality everywhere, the lawsuit states. And they did do that. I mean, this they didn't just make that up for this lawsuit. When the Speedway continued to draw crowds of a 1,000 or more, the governor's office ordered Alamance County Sheriff Terry Johnson to intervene. Johnson refused to issue a misdemeanor citation. The Cooper administration then declared a Speedway an imminent hazard for the spread of COVID-19 and called for its closure until the emergency order expired. A court has yet to rule in the merits of a Speedway's claims, but the panel of three Republican du- judges drew attention Tuesday to a clause in the state constitution 
guaranteeing North Carolinians a right to the fruits of their labor. Recent court precedents say the cause is synonymous with the right to earn a living. The ruling noted that the order to close the racetrack restricted or otherwise interfered with the lawful operation of a business serving the public. Good. I mean, this is this is really good. I, I you know, we we've been saying for a long, long, long time that the governor did not have the right, and and it was unlawful for the power, the power grab, his uh, end around uh, on the uh, Council of State, which never approved his power grab. You know, and and he he said, well, this was an emergency power, and of course he, it, you know, the emergency power, which we discussed over and over again, you know, our interpretation and the interpretation of a lot of legislators was that power was for a short-term emergency, such as mm-hmm. a tornado or a hurricane or a fire or something along those lines, where you had to come in and make a, a, a an immediate decision to save the lives of people on a short-term basis. Well, this Governor Cooper, I mean, how many months did he extend his, uh, well, I should say years, did he extend this uh, uh, executive power? Well, it's only recently been... Uh rescinded rescinded yeah. you know um I, again i'm not i'm not an attorney but if you remember that executive order because you know I, I i read it i had to read it over and over and over again because clients would ask me i'm not an attorney but they still would ask me you know the what what did i think about the exceptions well at the end of the day there was really very few businesses or organizations that were effective churches being one of them um so i don't see how you couldn't possibly you know win in a lawsuit when it's so selective it's not based on any science or at all i mean it just didn't make any sense uh i mean i i've you know i've been in the big box stores during that time and it would be yes hundreds of people more yeah. more than any church some churches i go to bingo and uh i just don't see how you know unless of course it goes up and and gets ends up going to the supreme court and gets now, the you current know, supreme court the current yeah. north carolina yeah. supreme court and you know they you know, you know what the Democrats would do. Anyway, I, I, it would really be fun to see Mandy Cohen personally held responsible for this. Because, again, until individuals who break the law, whether they're serving in, in the government or not, when they knowingly break the law, when it's obvious that they're breaking the law, when people draw it to their attention that you can't do this. In fact, Governor Cooper ought to be held to task for mm-hmm. doing the end around the Council of State getting permission for this extended emergency powers, which was way out of line. You know, when, when people do that, knowingly break the law, they ought to be personally held reliable. Yeah, and I, I would say the same thing if we, if at some point we have a, a Republican uh, attorney general or someone that I know and agree, agree with on most things and, and they're not enforcing the law, I, I would be. I would feel the same way. Yeah. It's, it's, the party should not have anything to do with it. If you don't like the law, um, then there's a process for that, and it doesn't involve the attorney general or the governor selectively executing the law. Speaking of that, stay with us. When we get back, Josh Stein, um, yeah, he is, uh, he is ignoring his job. It's malfeasance. It's clear. And uh, what's really interesting about those two stories, the one here in North Carolina and one down in Florida, there's a lot of parallels. And in North Carolina, we're just sort of looking the other way. In Florida, DeSantis is uh, coming down with an iron fist. We'll tell you all about that when we get back.
This is your Drive at Five, an ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. News and Views for a Political Trivia Thursday. And uh, your categories of the Wild West will play in just a little bit. First, let's take a quick uh, look at your weather forecast on National Chocolate Chip <laughs> Cookie Day. <laughs> Can't make it up. Where are cookies, Eric Clark? It's also National Wine Day. Chocolate Chip Cookies and National White Wine Day. There you go. Now you know we're all Breakfast of Champions, yeah. <laughs> uh, taking a look at the weather tonight, mainly clear, low of around 74. Tomorrow, partly cloudy skies. A stray shower is possible, high near 95. And uh, tomorrow night, Again, a possibility of a thunderstorm passing through a low of 73. Saturday, sunshine with clouds mixed in. And again, it's, it's a duplicate. The 90s for the high with a chance of showers. <clears throat> and it's pretty much every day this week all the way through next Wednesday. Until probably September 15th. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much it. Pretty much it. Weather brought to you by your long-term weather forecast, brought to you by Ironwood Golf and Country Club. Whether you're looking to spend your summer poolside, courtside, or greenside, Ironwood Golf and Country Club offers a variety of memberships tailored to fit your lifestyle with no initiation fee required. And listen, if you're headed to the beach, pack your clubs. Ironwood members receive reciprocal golf and dining privileges at the Beaufort Club in Beaufort and Compass Point uh, Golf Club and Magnolia Greens Golf Club located near Wilmington. For more information, contact membership director Jenna Doyle. Her number is 252-752-4653. Come and join the fun at Ironwood today. It's a part of the Renaissance Golf Group. So when you join one, you really actually get four golf courses. So uh, give Jenna a call. Again, her number is 752-4653. So um, North Carolina's... And we we talked about this before. In fact, I've talked to uh, Tim Moore about this a little bit. North Carolina wants to return to its 20-week abortion ban. Well, I said North Carolina. The North Carolina legislature wants to return to the law that was on the books when it was knocked down by a judge. I think it was back in 2019. A federal judge blocked the 20-week abortion ban. But now it could be reinstated after the U.S. Supreme Court overruled Roe v. Wade and a related abortion ruling, Planned Parenthood versus Casey. That was the Dobbs case that uh, brought that to light. During a press conference at the North Carolina Department of Justice, Attorney General Josh Stein yesterday, Wednesday, vowed to do everything in my power to protect reproductive freedom in the state. He urged abortion rights supporters to vote in the legislative election this November for Democrat candidates who would try to block Republican abortion bills from becoming law. And we said this over and over again. I mean, and and you have said, and you referred to it just a moment ago before we had our break. Josh, if you want to do that, get back in the state legislature. You're not a legislator anymore. If you want to change the law, if you want to create law, run for office again, not for attorney general. That's not your job now. And and listen, this, this is just pure malfeasance. He is the attorney general. If Stein, uh, again, wants to take this position, quit your job, run for office, run for the legislature, and see if you can get your law passed. Your job is to enforce the law, 
not to decide which laws you personally think are proper and which are not. You are not only not fulfilling your role as attorney general, you're actually usurping the role of the legislators. Mm-hmm. Quote, if we value women and girls having the right to make their own health care decisions, then we have to elect representatives and senators to our state legislature who will defend those rights. We know that the right to abortion care in North Carolina is on the ballot this November, so every election to come there and every election to come thereafter. And so he is using his position as attorney general now to campaign for a particular position or for candidates that happen to agree with Josh Stein. And campaign for governor. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) You know he's doing that as well. And yet he should be spending his time making sure that the laws are lawfully placed into law, that they are followed. Listen, um, this, this is just total malfeasance. And he ought to be, uh, well, well, let me take you down to Florida now, because there's a, there's a parallel story down in Florida, and Josh Stein might want to take note. Now, granted, in the state of Florida, they have a governor, Ron DeSantis, who is very, very, very conservative, is a no-nonsense governor. Here in North Carolina, you know who your governor is, Roy Cooper. A chameleon. Well, <laughs> He I, will be whatever he needs to be, well, or whatever the DNC say, yeah. tells him to be. Exactly. I mean, whatever what he'll he'll do. Exactly. Whatever the uh, folks up in D.C. that run the Democrat Party tell him, that's what he'll do. Earlier today, Republican Florida Governor Ron DeSantis suspended liberal state <coughs> attorney Andrew Warren. DeSantis made the announcement during a social media press conference. DeSantis argued that Warren has repeatedly refused to enforce laws passed by the legislature, cracking down on child sex change surgeries and abortion restrictions. Quote, we are suspending source back 13th Circuit State Attorney Andrew Warren for neglecting his duties as he pledges not to uphold the laws of the state, DeSantis said in the statement. The 13th Circuit falls over Florida's Hillsborough County. The Constitution of Florida has invested the veto power in the governor, not the state's attorney. DeSantis said, we're not going to allow this pathogen of ignoring the law to get a foothold in the state of Florida. DeSantis said Warren put ideology over the rule of law. That's exactly what Josh Stein is doing. And has been doing ever since he yeah. was elected the first term. I mean, he basically has said, we don't give a what, uh, who cares, or you can fill in the blank, about what Republicans <clears throat> pass, what the law is. We are going to enforce what we feel like is okay, what we feel like is right. Well, I think an important point in in Josh Stein's statement that you just read just a second ago was Josh Stein said he would do everything that's in his power. Okay, a fair question to him, say, Attorney General Josh Stein, what is in your power? Are you going by the state's constitution of what is granted to the Attorney General or Josh Stein's physical or political power of just choosing – uh, like you said, choosing what to enforce and what not to force. Because his, I mean, his power to ignore the law is – he has no power. No. Mm. He has no power. His job is to enforce the law. And in that statement there, you know, he obviously politically agrees – you know that uh agrees with the democrats that you know the whole supreme court case shouldn't have been overturned and that type of thing but i mean he doesn't he doesn't have the ability to say i'm gonna just insert my political opinion on something he's got to follow the law but he i mean he's in that statement says i am not going to do my job i am not going to follow the constitution malfeasance yeah 
Pure and simple. DeSantis suspended Andrew Warren after the state attorney pledged not to uh, charge abortion patients or their doctors for illegally terminating pregnancies. Warren made the vow in June, days before the state law banning abortion after 15 weeks was set into effect. We had the individual here from Hillsborough County say and signed letters that there are certain laws he just won't enforce or won't prosecute, DeSantis told Fox News in an exclusive interview after the press conference where he announced the suspension. States' attorneys that put their ideology over the rule of law are not satisfying their oath to office. (laughs) Did you hear that, Josh? DeSantis said during the press conference that Warren repeatedly refused to enforce laws the legislature passed cracking down on child sex change surgeries and abortion restrictions. DeSantis, as a part of suspension order, appointed Hillsborough County Judge um, Susan Lopez to replace Warren. Florida Democrats, including the gubernatorial candidate and commissioner of agriculture, Nikki Freed, denounced the decision, calling DeSantis a wannabe dictator. Wait a minute. DeSantis is a wannabe dictator. Now, who is following the law here? Mm. Who is following the law? It's it's not this guy, Warren. DeSantis <laughs> is following the law, but the guy that's rogue is just going out on his own and saying, I'll do what I darn well please. Oh, he's not a dictator. DeSantis is. Wow. DeSantis said, I do think that some of these prosecutors that have a very militant agenda in terms of ideology have been able to get away with a lot in other states. They've had prosecutors around this country that think they can pick and choose which laws to enforce. <laughs> can you say Josh Stein? You know, all, all these uh, articles that we have covered on this state, a- including going back to this Mandy Cohen article that Mandy Cohen very well might f- face a lawsuit, or at least her office will. Um, this is important because when Mandy Cohen came in and said, we're going to shut down this Ace Speedway, you know, she, th- she looked at herself as, I'm above the law. Mm-hmm. I can do whatever I darn well please. We have the governor in office, and I was appointed by the governor, and I can do whatever I want to do because we have the power. And that's why it's so important that Mandy Cohen and the governor's office get knocked down a couple of notches. And Josh Stein, I hope you're paying attention to what's happening to Mandy Cohen. I hope you're paying attention to what's going on down in Florida because there, there's going to come a time that you're going to be held accountable. And, and I hope you, they hold your feet to the fire. You know, I, I'm tired of the days when, you know, once some rogue politician is out of office, we say, well, well, let's bygones be bygones. No, this is why they get away with this crap is because nothing ever happens to them. And I say mm-hmm. it over and over again. They personally need to be held responsible when they break the law. Yeah, we were talking before we went back on air about this. <clears throat> so apparently, I guess Florida's governor has the ability with the Florida Constitution to remove the uh, state attorney because, you know, I, I was reading an article, I guess in Axios, yes, that former Governor Rick Scott in Florida removed a state attorney a few years ago because of vowing not to uh, seek the death penalty, the death yeah, penalty yeah. in Florida, which, you know, Florida, uh, I think Florida is pretty, <laughs> pretty good at in enforcing the death penalty down there. So apparently their constitution allows for that. I don't, I don't know about North Carolina's if, you know, if we had a Republican governor, could he remove Josh Stein? We know. Um, oh, we know. No, uh, Cooper's not. Cooper's not going to do that. But uh, I would tell you this though, and again, I am not familiar. If anybody's out there, if any attorneys are out there listening, uh, call in and let us know whether or not the governor would have that power if he chose chose mm-hmm. to do that. Because if we had this kind of shenanigans right now, and Mark Robinson was the governor, 
<laughs> yeah, if he had that ability, he would enforce oh, it. Oh, you, you, you know. But, you, you know, know. But back on the issue at hand of of abortion, um, you know, remember, just look how far we've come, though, even from the Democrats' position, which, you know, Bill Clinton's position, you know, he, he said that abortion should be legal and rare. Right. But, but think of where we've gotten to the Democrat Party where they think it should be not only legal, but any time or place up to the point the child is born yeah and infanticide yeah and i just uh in a lot of states uh that are democrat controlled i mean that they have you know they have been changing those laws for what three or four years now to to get that extreme what virginia and new york i think are right. two of them right. um and with the kansas vote uh, a couple of days ago i i still don't think most people in america would go that it should be even the people that you know think some abortion in some form should be allowed i just don't think people should in general would think that hey the child is born do you want it or do you not want it that's, i just don't uh, i just don't think america thinks like that in the uh, majority uh, in the majority uh, yeah i, I, hope, I, 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 hope I would agree with you but i hope not and what is bizarre is that there are actually i mean that there would be any americans that think that way and i think there's more there's probably more than we like to know about but i just don't think it's anywhere close to the majority how you can be an elected official as governor of the state of virginia and come out and propagate that stance which which northam did ralph yeah. northam mm-hmm. did came out and just said let the let the it's a private dis- you know you've got a living human being on the birthing table the child is born at that point it's a decision and this is what northam said it's a decision between the doctor and the mother as to whether or not the child should survive. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. And, and I think about, you know. Oh, really? Keith Kidwell. I ask and he shows up. He listens to the top rated show in Eastern North Carolina. Yeah. <laughs> so, Keith, what is, what is the law in North Carolina? Uh, yeah, turn your, turn your radio down a minute, Keith. I, I'm hearing myself. Um, Go ahead. Is that better? Yes, sir. So what is what is the law? Does the governor have the the right to uh, fire a uh, state prosecutor or a state attorney general for that matter? He, now he's elected, obviously. Right, so your, your state attorney general is an elected official, so he, he cannot be fired. He can be impeached by the general assembly. Okay, so, when are you when are you going to start? <laughs> <laughs> uh, believe me, word up to I solely we'd have started that process long ago. Where do you think but, uh, where do you think this stands with the twenty week ban that um, your boss Tim Moore and uh, Phil Berger are working to uh, see re implemented? Well, the twenty week ban is something that is actually it was on our books, but it was enjoined by the courts uh, a couple of years back. And what they need to do is they do need to re address that. Now, one of the good things is we recently had a ruling from the U.S. Supreme Court that said when uh, basically it was on a different topic, but I believe the same thing would hold true, that when the Attorney General fails to represent the wishes of the General Assembly, uh, that we can hire outside counsel to do so. Right. Was, was, so, that the, was that the North Carolina case in which they made that decision? Yes, it was. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. So, so, I mean, it, it, it applies to every state, I guess, but obviously it applies to North Carolina. And I would think, yeah, you're right, if it, if it applied to the – I'm trying to remember which which case was that that uh, they applied. That was the Maps case, right? Yeah, mm. I, I believe it was. Yeah. yeah, 
Yeah. Um, problem when, when that was going on is we were in session, so I was paying too much attention to what we were doing in session to follow that too closely. But, uh, yeah, your problem is you do have, uh, Tom, is that our, our governor does think that he has all kinds of powers, but you know he's not going to go against Attorney General Stein. Uh, you know, they're kind of buddies. Right. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll be introducing legislation in the next session to deal with uh, do, deal with the Roe v. Wade decision uh, and take it back, dial it back even further. Uh, you know, if I had it my way, we would, we would do it for the life of the mother. Uh, that would pretty much be about it. Uh, you know, ch- children are a miracle of God, and we've got to treat it as such. When we devalue life, we end up with people that don't understand the value of life, and that makes it okay to go out and kill people. I, I I absolutely agree with that. I I think the the we are living in a death culture, and if if people have this attitude that I can take a life if it's inconvenient or imperfect, then uh, I I can also take a life if that person is is an irritant absolutely. to me. It's pretty fundamental. Yeah. Really. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Keith, thanks for calling in. I, I, by the way, um, how, how are things looking? Uh, I, I know. You, you don't have a crystal ball, but uh, what, what is your feeling about uh, super majorities in the legislature? Well, it looks, looks like we're going to do very well in November, Tom. Uh, we only need three seats in the House. We feel like we're going to take considerably more than that. Uh, we need two in the Senate. We think we're probably going to get at least four or five. And, of course, we do need to get the Supreme Court with at least one of those seats. Uh, I think we're going to do that. And uh, I've been telling people when that happens, uh, I will personally get a nice size suitcase, and I'm going to Facebook Live it. I'm going to walk to the governor's mansion, read a note to him that I will leave that says, Governor, uh, we have the supermajority of the House, the Senate, and the courts. Uh, since you're now irrelevant, kindly pack and go home. <laughs> You'll even help him pack, won't you? <laughs> I, I will. Be. I'll, I'll rent the truck. There you go. <laughs> Keith Kidwell. Hey, Keith, thanks for calling in. Thanks for listening and calling in. Do appreciate it. Thanks. Uh, enjoy uh, yeah, enjoy your that. break. Uh, you, you're you're up in Raleigh more than you're home, so while you're home for uh, the next... There's, there's, there's been no break, Tom. I'm going across the state with the North Carolina Freedom Caucus. As you know, I'm the chairman of the caucus, and I'm doing everything I can to make sure that we win every possible election from the Board of Education to the U.S. Senate and House. Uh, fighting for every member we can for the North Carolina House and Senate, and that's what I'm going to be spending my summer doing. Keith, thank you, sir. Thanks for your service. Putting your money, yeah, absolutely. Put your money where your mouth is. Keith Kidwell calling yes, in. All right, thank you, Keith. Five six one eight two five five. Let's play political trivia, shall we? Right now, let's open up the phone lines. Five six one eight two five five. Your category is the Wild West. Uh, it's going to go quick. I promise you. Benny got it in uh, less than thirty seconds. Five six one eight two five five. Got a great prize package. We'll play when we get back. All right, welcome back in. It is time for a little political trivia. Your category: the Wild West. Your prize. Prize package includes a free oil change for your car or pickup at Dave Davis's East Carolina Chrysler Dodge Jeep or at Washington Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram, a gift certificate from Fit for Life 24, including two free training sessions with a coach, 
a $20 gift card to Mucho Bueno for lunch or dinner. Mucho Bueno, real Mexican street food located in front of the Westbrook Shopping Center, U.S. 70 West in Havelock. A $20 gift card to Gwendy's Goodies Bakery in Aiden. Delicious made-from-scratch goodies. Also, a gift certificate to the Ironwood Golf and Country Club. Remember, if you or anyone in your immediate family have won recently, that's 60 days past before you play again. First up, from Winterville, it's Donovan. Hey, Donovan. Hey, Donovan. How you doing? Doing well. You ready to play? I'm going to take a chance being Uh, the first one. All right. Uh, Your category is the Wild West. Here's your question. This week, 146 years ago, an event happened which affected the game of poker. This event named a particular poker hand the dead man's hand. What and we need some when this needs to be pretty specific. What was this event we are referring to? Uh, Aces and eight killed Wild Bill Hickok. You got it. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> I said it was going to be quick. I think you even beat Benny on that. Wow. Yeah, that's specific. 146 years ago, 1876, Wild Bill Hickok was shot in the head from behind killed while playing poker at a saloon in Deadwood, South Dakota. He was holding a pair of aces and eights, which has since been known at poker tables as the dead man's hand. Congratulations, Donovan. I appreciate that. All right, hang on the line because Clark's going to get all your information and we'll get you those goodies in the mail. Stay with us. Benny and I will be right back. the show that really makes you think he is a genius he's all powerful he brought a kind of heat he could be the best just don't hurt yourself okay more news and views on talk 96.3 and 103.7 congratulations to donovan arnold of winterville he got it right off the bat sorry for everybody on hold but uh, donovan took away your thunder yeah it was uh this week, 146 years ago, Wild Bill Hickok got shot in the back of the head. I have seen the, uh, I've seen Wild Bill's pistols in the Buffalo Bill Museum in Cody, Wyoming. Really? Mm-hmm. If you go. ever go to Cody, Wyoming, the Buffalo Bill Museum is worth the stop. So he died, and I think he's buried up in uh, Deadwood South, mm-hmm. which is up in the Black Hills. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So um, Joe Manchin has uh, been in the news a lot. There was an interesting story that broke last night as we were finishing up the program, didn't get to it, but it really is rather interesting. And, you know, we've been speculating, okay, what did Joe Manchin get out of this deal? Because there was something, something that had to have (laughs) been agreed to for Joe Manchin to suddenly say, okay, I, I will get behind your Build Back Better or the Anti Inflation Act of 2022. It's not a. It's not an evening with Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> <laughs> that would, that would seal the deal I'm that he would vote anything. against it. I'm certain it's not that. <laughs> anyway, uh, Fox News did some digging. And of the approximately $6.1 million he has in his campaign treasure chest, this is this is unbelievable. So he's got six point one million dollars in his campaign coffer. How much money do you think 
came from individuals in the state of West Virginia. $65,000 of $6.1 million, which when I saw that, my first thought was, okay, maybe he wasn't promised something. Maybe he was threatened Yeah, that if you don't vote for this, uh, we're going to cut, cut off the $6.1 million money spigot. Yeah, I, I think it's more than that. I, I think it's um, – Joe Manchin is is a fairly wealthy man. man. When the last financial disclosure I looked at, I, it seemed like it was – 25 to 50 million or something i mean he's pretty pretty wealthy i think so i mean he doesn't need the money personally um it's been speculation he was not gonna run again he's early 70s yeah um i i think it's something something more than that i i really think it's something more politically i mean the only thing that he can uh if he really cares about his legacy politically is to be president of the united states i i just think it's more than because uh, he just won, you know, re-election in West Virginia, what, two years ago. So he's up for four uh, years from now, I believe. Uh, he comes up in, in 2024. Oh, he does? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I don't know. I just I think it's more to it than, than the, the money. But you think about West Virginia. West Virginia, in terms of where the money is in West Virginia, it's in coal and, and other natural resources. You know, coal, oil, um, you know, timber and other things. And, and you know... <laughs> The Democrat Party is pretty much anything anti-business as it relates to natural resources. So I can't imagine him getting any money from some people in West Virginia that's in those industries. So well, and part of this bill is I think was it a forty percent increase on uh, the tax on coal. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's some is it 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 could be crippling to uh, West Virginia, and yet it's really interesting. It's it's like the Democrats don't get it. I mean, they're just brain dead because. If you remember how under Obama, they just crippled the coal industry. Mm-hmm. And you had entire towns that were ghost towns because of what Obama did to the coal industry. Donald Trump comes in and <laughs> it breathes new life into these towns. They open back up. And what happens? They go back and do it again. And the funny thing is, you know, I'd, I'd like for us to find alternative sources of fuel, you know, and renewables if they're there. But this whole push of NCO, 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 in natural gas, in fossil fuels, and replace it with going out there and you get a great big huge excavator that's run on diesel fuel that you can only run on diesel fuel, and you dig a bunch of damn big holes in the ground to dig up a material to make a battery. Yeah, for a car. <laughs> I mean, it, it it it's the typical liberal logic that makes no sense what they're doing. And who has all the nickel? China. Yeah. yeah. Or, or places that they're, uh, you know, just like they've, you know, Afghanistan's full of it, and yeah. China's trying their best. Uh, you know, Afghanistan is a is a good route for Afghanistan uh, through Afghanistan to go a lot of other places. Not to mention they have a lot of natural resources that relates to batteries. There were uh, the Democrats dug up a bunch of uh, economists. I think it was like 130 or economists that uh, came out and said, "Oh, this this Inflation Reduction Act of 2022." is is great it's going to help the economy it will reduce in, in inflation um economic experts from the other side of that argument in fact 230 economists are arguing now that the infrastructure reduction act or the inflation reduction act or the build back better act whatever you want to call it will not 
curb inflation. In fact, it is going to make inflation much, much worse. And they've come out and they said, look, Joe Manchin and and, uh, Biden are absolutely wrong on this issue. And at least you think, oh, yeah, they found a bunch of conservatives. These are professors from the University of Chicago, Princeton University, Duke University, University of Virginia, Columbia University, University of Notre Dame, just among a few, uh, to name a few, that signed. These are 230 economists from across the country with all kinds of different backgrounds and saying this is bad news. The other interesting thing is where's Kirsten Sinema on this? Um, interestingly, <laughs> the most powerful person in Washington now. right now, <laughs> right now, I don't think we have time to play her quote, but she had said, I had the, the audio of her saying that she had said, I had a couple of guiding principles that still guide the work that I'm doing today. Now she mentioned this a couple of months ago. And, uh, and first and foremost is that I will only support tax policies that promote growth and economic stability, particularly during a time of coming through this pandemic, rising inflation, and what we think is a coming recession. So I am unwilling to support any tax policies that would put a break on that type of economic growth or stall business and personal growth for American industries. I retain that position. Everyone knows it. Some people aren't happy about it, but that's my position. And so if uh, conversations do start again, which I'm not sure if they will or not, I'll be bringing that position back to the the negotiations. You all know, the entire country knows, that I'm opposed to raising the corporate income tax. That was true yesterday, and it is true today. Those are comments she made before the uh, Arizona um, Commerce uh, folks. And um, she, uh, as far as we know, she hasn't rescinded those ideas. So, uh, Yeah, and what she didn't say there, she says... uh and also bring me the goodies if you don't change me, change my mind. <laughs> I'm sure Joe got some goodies. I yep. don't know what they were. Maybe one day we'll find out. Hey, thanks for being with us. Congratulations again to Donovan Arnold, our political trivia winner. And we'll do it again tomorrow at 5 o'clock. We'll see you then. Bye-bye, everybody. All right, all right, all right.